inspired by our talk last week, I brought some labels with me today um, that I thought we might do a little live action labeling this morning. Um, just everybody here in this room, you guys down with this? Okay. Um, here's the labels that I brought. So if you want this label to define who you are, um, just stick your hand up here. Uh, here's one that says athlete. Anyone want to ask? Oh, okay, awesome. There's one over there. Okay. Next one is um, used to be an athlete. <laughs> okay, I probably better take this one. Uh, although the jury's still out whether I really ever was an athlete, <laughs> I'll pretend like I was. Okay, here's one. Um, Mathlete. Anyone mathlete? Oh, yes. Okay, Noel there on the front row. Okay, Netflix champ. Anyone finished Netflix? Finished Netflix? Alright. She was more enthusiastic about that. So you guys can wrestle later on in that. Okay, nerd. Nerd. Anyone want nerd? Look at those hands going up. This used to be like derogatory, but now it's aspirational. We all want to be nerds. Okay, <laughs> retired. Anyone want that label? Okay, wear it proudly. We all look up to you and hope to be you someday. Okay, okay. next label the world's most perfect parent. Ooh, okay, it's going up. The kids, if you want some extra credit, get this and give it to your mom and your dad and your grandparents. You might get out of some chores later on today. Alright. Here's one that says, world's most average parent. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to take this one, too. Sorry, it's, it's the cat food thing. Um, again, if you were here last week, you know my, my daughter beelines for cat food, and my wife was out of town for three days, and it happened. Twice. <laughs> Twice. I told her, I was like, at all times that you were gone, at least one of our children was being properly cared for. <laughs> at least one of them. That's pretty good, I think. I think. Uh, luckily, this time she didn't eat the cat food. She just sort of like made it rain. <laughs> all right, um, the last label that we have um, is Slim Shady. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, take that back there. All right, do you guys get that joke? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So this feels a little bit like life, doesn't it? Some dude with a sharpie just walks up to you and says, here's your label, here is who you are. You walk through life on this journey and you start accumulating these labels, some bad, some good. Um, some were just given to you, sometimes intentionally. Sometimes it's just a careless word that someone says and it, it sticks to you and won't let go. You feel defined, constrained, conformed. Um, it's like some adolescent game of duck, duck, Nerd, <laughs> which would totally be an awesome game because lightsabers would be involved. In that version, I think. So each label comes with this predefined pattern, stereotype, place in the world that we're locked into. Some labels we've put on ourselves. Um, truly, some labels that we we pursued ourselves. In high school, it was the label of popular that some of us sought after. Adults, we're way beyond that now, and so we pursue the label of successful, which is popular in adult language. If we want that label, we know there's this preset pattern of, of pastimes and, and politics and pantsuits that we have to live into to get that label. We know the patterns. If you want to be a, a perfect parent, then you need the tricked-out minivan 
to drive around. You just cruise around South Lakes with your Katy Perry bumping. Those are the patterns that we have to conform to to live into these labels. These labels that we feel defined by, that sometimes we have a hard time seeing past in our own lives, to open ourselves to a different vision of who we are, a deeper vision, a truer vision. Because these labels are powerful and they can begin, if we're not careful, to define who we are. They can define how we feel about ourselves, whether we like our image, whether we feel like we're in and out, good enough, or not quite good enough. If we feel like we can ever shake our past. Maybe people have labeled you because of your story, your identity, because of who you are, because of your doubts or your questions, and these labels can lock us in. They can constrain us, and sometimes when those labels are mixed up with religion, we can be told that this, this label, like a scarlet letter, stands between us and our Creator. And we all know how that scarlet letter story ends, don't we? Or at least we know the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the labels that you've been given in your life. You know deep down that you're more than those name tags told you. That you must be more than these narrowly defined attributes. And one day you look down at yourself and you say, who am I? Sometimes the labels are hard to shake. I think that's why we all blasted T-Swift on repeat a couple of summers ago. We all did, don't lie, here at church. <laughs> we blasted it on repeat because it felt good at the top of our lungs to scream, shake it off. When the song ended, we looked down and we realized that the labels were still stuck to us. Right? And so we'd, say, we'd just say, you know, the haters are going to hate, hate, hate. We'd put it on repeat, we'd listen to it again, and try one more time, but some of this stuff is hard to say, honestly. So who am I? And the labels that we have for ourselves, Jonathan, the world's most average parent who used to be athletic, is not a good enough answer. Who are we? Who are you, really? And it's such an incredibly important question for us to ask, to be open to, because sometimes I think we've been listening to the human labels for so long that we've forgotten to listen to what our creator thinks of us, to be open to God and to hear God's voice, God's message, God's identity that's at the core of who we are clearly. Because think about it, who gets to name something in our world? It's the one who made it, the one who created it, your maker. Your creator, not your boss, not your teacher, not your online Instabook snap face friends, and definitely not some dude on stage with a sharpie. Your maker. So I want you to hear this clearly today because your maker, your creator crafted you and made you and knows you and knows how you love, how you're made, knows your uniqueness, laughs at your jokes most of the time. Grieves when you grieve, hopes for you, has plans for you, pursues you, gave all for you, has stamped divinity on your soul and eternity on your heart, and loves you, and thinks you are ridiculously awesome and unspeakably beautiful and a pretty good hang. Your maker is the one in whom you find your true self because God's labels are true and they're good and they resonate in the depth of your spirit and in the truth of who you are and our openness this, to hearing God out, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, starting to peel these labels off, and seeing clearly our identity in God, this has the power to transform everything. 
Because our God is a God who flips the tables and rips off the labels and enables us to be who we are, to know why we are, and to be loved as we are. So the world of Jesus' day was a world of division, of labels that kept people out and kept people apart, divisions by culture and religion and gender and economics and politics, Team Edward and Team Jacob, all the things that we divide over, right? And in this world, Jesus offered a simple invitation. He said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. All of you who are heavy laden, all who are covered in name tags and labels and expectations, but searching for meaning and to know who you really are, and I will give you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, which is a beautiful sentiment. But it's even more beautiful when we realize that in the Greek, that word that we translate easy means that this yoke fits us, that the way of Christ fits us perfectly. God's labels are not external labels. They come from the depth of your soul and they help you discover who you were built to be. It fits so the invitation is simply to come and rest in that. And that invitation echoes through the book. And I wish I could tell you all of the places, but one of my favorite places is in Romans chapter 12. Uh, verse 2 goes like this. We'll get back to verse 1. Don't worry. We'll skip ahead too far. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not conforming is about more than just going out and buying a VW bus. Although that would be awesome if we all did that. It's about not being squeezed or molded or formed into a shape that is not us by the patterns and the labels of this world. But we have this invitation to think differently, to listen to a different story, a renewing story, and to be open to the message of God who created us and shaped us and formed us as we are. So just think about all those labels that you've been given in your life. Now imagine one by one, peeling them off. No longer conforming. What's left there? Who are you? Who is your creator and your worker? Know you to be. So this morning, I want you to hear clearly three things that God says about you. Three things that your creator and your maker, the one who knows you, speaks into the depth of your soul. I want us to hear it and be open to it let it sink down deep and maybe, just maybe, even begin to let it shape us. And so the first label that's on our soul is this. You are a child of God. A child of God. First John chapter 3 says this. See what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. I love the matter of fact way that the author writes this. He says, that's just what we are. That's who you are. That's the foundation of your soul. And God loves you like a perfect parent, not like the average parent that lets you eat cat food. Unless you want to, that's cool. <laughs> but a perfect parent. It's a child of God. God loves you specifically and not generally. God loves you. God loves you with your past and your present and your future and all your idiosyncrasies and your uniqueness and wants to see you flourish as yourself. So my understanding of this grew a little bit when my sister started having kids. 
Um, she had three kids who were totally polar opposites, which is mathematically impossible, of course, but it happened. <laughs> it happened. I've seen it with my own eyes. So Hogan, the one there on the left, is um, he's a little robotic scientist kid who begins every sentence with the word actually. You know, you know those kids, right? He's one of those kids. Miller there on the right, it's, his nickname is Miller the Lady Killer. And Cecilia in the middle, she rules the world. And they're all so incredibly different, but she loves them all, and her heart is big enough to love them all. And she wants to see them flourish as themselves, not to become the same, because her diversity of her children is what makes her family beautiful. And that's the way that God loves you. And God wants the best for you, to become who you were built to be without labels. Because this world needs scientists to help us understand the world as it is needs relational people to bring peace and warmth. And God needs somebody to run the show. But Cecilia's already got that on lockdown, so you're going to have to look for another job. (laughs) The core of your being, you are a child of God. But even more than that, the second label that God gives to us is this, that you are beloved. Beloved is how you pronounce that, not be loved, like be dazzling. You're beloved. It means you're loved. You're loved, period, no matter what. Like we read last week, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And so when you ask, how does God feel about me? What does God think about me? That means of all the ways that the God of the universe can think about you, the one who knows you inside and out and shapes you, the answer is simple. God loves you. So the early church, as they began to grasp this, thought this was so incredibly remarkable that they made up a new word for it. They would call each other along the way. And the word was this, agapethos. You can see the word agape in this. It just means one who is loved. One who is beloved. So you see this in verses like 1 John 4, 11, where it says, beloved, agapethos. Since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. That love begins to permeate everything, doesn't it? Our identity, the way we see each other, beloved. And so they would say that to each other. They would call each other beloved over and over and over again. That's like us coming up to each other and saying, you know, what's up? One who is loved? What's crackalackin? Um, not much other one who is loved by God for shizzle, right? So I think, we should, I think we should get back to that vision of each other in our world. Beloved. And so as you look around the room today, take a moment to do that. Don't make eye contact with it. That's weird. So luckily, the lights are down. But as you look around you right now, the people to your left, people to your right, are loved by God. People behind you and in front of you, loved by God. And so are you. Beloved. Agapethos. You and you and you and me. It means in view of everything, your past, your present, the labels you walk around with, God's heart toward you is love. When you lie your head down on your pillow tonight, between you and your creator, there is nothing but love, no matter what, no matter your age or your race, your ethnicity, your identity, orientation, affiliation, if you're a nerd or a Netflix champion, you are loved. So what's up? One who is loved by God. That's our label. We're rooted in this identity as child, children of God. Energized by the love that permeates everything, and we are moved forward by this label that God puts on us. It's the label being called. We're called to a greater purpose, a call to be a part of something bigger, to not just receive God's love, but to give it away.
to be an instrument of the goodness of God. And that call is for you, as you were built. A call to make a difference in the world that no one else can make because no one else is you. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We means you and me and us, are created by God for a purpose, for goodness, for good works. And no one else is like you. No one else can impact the world like you can. No one else can impact the people that you can, and the workplace you can, and the families that you can. You have a unique part to play in bringing goodness and kindness and equity and openness and love into our world through your works and through your words. And it's specific to you and the truth of who you are. So that word workmanship can make it sound like we're God's shop project or something, right? That we're little birdhouses that God's built. But the word is so much more beautiful than that. In Greek, the word is poeia. We're God's poeia. Which is where we get the word poem. You are God's poem. Every word on your page, every twist and rhyme and slant rhyme has meaning. Some of us are love poems. Some of us are avant-garde French constructivist poems. Some of us are limericks. Right? But all of us were written to convey the love of God, to bring good works into our world, through our deeds, into our words. And all of us are called to be a part. No matter your past or your present, there are more stanzas to write life and the grace and the goodness of God. And God is just waiting for us to be open to this, to be the poeia that we were built to be. And when we finally begin to have that courage to take off those labels and to open ourselves to God, it's like God is just waiting for us and says, I'm so glad you're here. Now we've got some good work to do. So that's why it's so important what we're doing here in this space and this community that's beginning to form as we lift up this truth that all are loved and all are invited. Because all of us are invited to be a part of a bigger, more epic poem than we could ever imagine. That's multiplied times the strength of all of us. As all of us begin to use who we truly are to change this world and our community with the radical love and grace of God. So who am I? Jonathan Randall Perry, Esquire, Child of God, beloved, and called. Who are you? So how do we begin to take the courageous step of walking away from the labels and conforming and begin to be who we truly are? Here's how Romans 12 begins. I told you we'd get back to one. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, children of God, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. All right, you got it? <laughs> what in the world is that talking about, right? That's some, uh, some fancy Bible language. Here's what Paul is saying by that. By presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, simply what he means is bring God your whole self. Bring God your whole self. The depth of your spirit, the truth of who you are, your past and your present, your wounds and your hopes and your doubts and your questions and say, here I am. God, all of me, my life, my heart, my hands, help me be who I was created to be, and begin to be open to God. 
So I love how the message says it. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible. And here's what it says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Love that. Embracing what God embraces means embracing all of you, beloved child of God. Simply saying, here I am, I'm open to you, this is what I've got. And when you do, what you'll find is the loving embrace God around who you truly are with no labels. So I was trying to think about what this openness looks like, it feels like. And yesterday, my son Hudson, who wasn't feeling so hot, just reached up and grabbed my arms and pulled them around himself in this embrace. And he just chilled right there and found rest. And then he did it again um, another time after eating a popsicle with his whole entire body, um, which was less cute but still cool because I love the kid. So when we have the courage to be ourselves, to be our sticky, messy selves, to offer ourselves and to stop being defined by labels, to find ourselves in God, it's like letting God wrap us in God's arms. And that embrace begins to change everything because those of us who've been living under the weight of that heavy burden of labels and identity, there's rest and freedom purpose and strength and simply being who God built us to be. What God invites us to is more than just about being label-free. It's about through that freedom becoming who we truly are. So in Romans 12, 2, when it says, do not be conformed, it then says, be transformed. Because when we stop conforming to the labels of this world, we open ourselves to what only God can do in us to begin that process of transformation, to unlock a beauty and identity that was buried beneath the stickers and the labels of this world. The Greek word that we translate transformation is metamorphosis. Right? So if you're a robot scientist, you know what metamorphosis means. So when we offer ourselves to God, God begins to transform us and something begins to change. It's like we were that caterpillar, right? We crawled around on the leaves, a very tiny and very hungry caterpillar. With its label, all it knew of itself was dirt and leaves and ground. It's all it could see in itself. We felt that way before. But the caterpillar lets herself be wrapped in the arms of something bigger. And it doesn't happen right away. And some of it, I'm sure, hurts. Because stripping away the old labels is not for the faint of heart, believe me. But on the other side of unstoppable transformation, such a butterfly, the caterpillar emerges in the fullness of who it was built to be with a color and beauty that's like a breathtaking poem. So scientists tell us that the unique colors and patterns of the butterfly were there in the chemistry of the caterpillar all along, just waiting to be unlocked and discovered and transformed. So you, our beloved, called child of God. So maybe it's time that we strip off the labels and the names and the patterns of this world and be open to God. To let God wrap you in God's arms and begin to discover your true identity as a child of God. 
let God begin to make us ever more who we truly are. Beautiful, colorful, beloved. Let's pray again. Gracious, loving God, who loves us, the depth of our spirit, and the truth of who we are. And we thank you that you don't ask us to know all the answers or have all of it figured out. You simply invite us to be open to you, to listen to your voice, and to see your message in the world and in creation. And you invite us to find our identity in you. And what an identity it is. Children of the God of the universe, beloved, and called to something greater. And help us to open to that, to be open to be open to you. We pray this in your name.